thank you, Lord, for the breath that's in our lungs that we get to worship you with. Lord, there's truly nothing fit that we could try to bring to you. So, Lord, we bring a sincere praise the Lord. We love you, Lord. We worship you, God. You're worthy. You're worthy. Lord, we submit our soul, our mind, and our heart to you. Lord, and we hunger. We hunger for you. Lord, we recognize that we need more of you. That we can't accomplish the mission that you've put before us without you and without the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we will pursue you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Lord, we will endeavor to love our neighbor, love our brothers and sisters the way you do, selfishly. Nothing in expectation in return. Lord, we're going to need you to do that and to do it well. Amen. Amen. Well, I just want to just make an announcement. Um, I got to see something this morning, and I felt the Holy Spirit just want me to, to just mention this before we get in the message. With all the cold and flu and all the different things going on, um, it would be good to ask people if they are okay with a hug. I know that's not our normal thing we do, um, it's, but, but that would be a good sensitive thing to do. Um, not everyone thinks the same way. Not everyone agrees with all the different different things. So be sensitive to that. Um, I know sometimes we'll forget, and that's okay, but don't be offended if someone says, yeah, I'm not really hugging right now. Amen? That, that might be that they're caring for you. Maybe they have a little bit of something they're not wanting to give that to you, or it could be that they're in a spot that um, they're a little higher risk. So can we do that? Can we just love each other? Amen? Amen? Awesome. So not saying... Not to give hugs, love on each other, do all that, but just be sensitive, okay? Praise the Lord. Commercial over. Um, the most important thing I want to talk about today is the Holy Spirit. Um, we, um, I, I was preparing, and I felt the Lord kind of lead me um, as we've been on our rabbit trail off of Revelation a little bit. I'm still dealing with the, the end times and, and eschatology and, and where we're at, but I felt the Lord kind of move into when we went looking at the Antichrist and to John's epistles that he speaks about the Antichrist and then really got into love and truth. And I was just feeling like the Lord saying, okay, well, if you're going to talk about love, then we should probably go into Corinthians. Amen? I mean, how are you going to talk about love without going to Corinthians? Well, when I went into Corinthians, I just really seen, and it was getting at Christmas, the gifts. I'm like, how cool is that? Like, we're out of time, and like, to be able to look at the gifts, the gifts that God has given us. How many, amen, right? We all like Christmas. I like getting gifts, right? I don't know no one who doesn't like getting gifts. And yes, it is truly better to give than to receive. I love, I love to give gifts and watch our kids open them. But it's pretty cool when someone out of blue is like, hey, I got something for you. You're like, oh, really? Like you were thinking of me? And like, that's super cool. So God is like, oh, I got something for you. Amen. So I was reading that out and just kind of starting to meditate in the gifts. And then I felt it was just so funny. Um, and I, so I kind of thought like Monday when I came in the office, like I'd start down that path. And I just felt that just a little, just a little small voice say, Maybe you should start at the gift. Oh. Now, I, I was a little kind of under pressure, honestly, at just being sharing what I feel like. Maybe all of you are like, I thought we were in Revelation. Now, now we're not in Revelation. What the heck's he doing? So I kind of feel like I need to get back there. 
But I'm going to listen to that little still small voice. Amen? So, yes, we will get back there. Um, I'm not going to pretend to tell you. I thought I knew things. I don't know. I don't know when we're getting back there. Um, when, when we get done with where we're at, I guess we'll get back to Revelation 6. But um, so, so in looking at the gift, how many know what I'm talking about? The gift. Not the gifts. The gift. The Holy Spirit. Amen? So that's where we're at. So turn, get your Bible and open it up or get your phone and click on Acts chapter 1. However you do that. Um, it'll be up on the on the screen if you don't have either of those. Um, so I'm in, I'm reading today. I'm in the New King James. And shocker, I don't always stick to one translation. So if that is a problem, um, you'll have to get over it. <laughs> so um, Acts chapter one, and for time's sake, we'll just read four through eight. And let's stand there. It says, and being assembled together with them. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Look at the word. If, you're in, if you have this in your Bible, I would circle commanded. Commanded. This is not like, well, if you guys, you know, in our culture today, we don't really do well with those things. We just kind of like, well, if you feel like it, it's okay. If you don't, it's okay. It's, no, Jesus said, I command you. To wait. You, you know what those guys did? They were like, oh, oh, okay, then we're going to wait. That means we're not going anywhere else. So they did that. Commanded them to wait for what? The promise. How many know that's a good thing? The promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. So that tells us that Jesus had been speaking of this already. Amen? Now, remember he said a few different times, he said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. He's speaking of the Holy Spirit. He said that the comforter will come. So he had been preparing them for the gift. Now, who sent the gift? The Father. Now, cool is we're going to see is who, get, who gives the gift. Jesus. So he said, you have heard from me for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now that was 40 days after Jesus had, had um, resurrected. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Now they went all flesh, right? They went all in the natural, and that's what we would have done. So don't think that they're like, we're so super holy. They're, they were expecting Jesus, the Messiah, to come and take over Rome and establish the kingdom right then and there. Because why? They had been, it had been prophesied. Jesus will do that. And guess what? He's going to do that. That day is coming. He will sit on a throne in Jerusalem and rule. So that is going to happen. It's just not yet. But they were, they, were, they were expecting that. And that means that we should be expecting that. But Jesus is like, look, I've got something bigger and better to talk to you about. You're not waiting for that. Right? So how big is this? It's huge if it's bigger than that. So he says, it is not for you. He asked, it, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. 
Now, church, I would, I, this wasn't in my notes, but I just felt inspired to say that. We need to pay attention to that. Yes, we're studying eschatology. Yes, it is wise to look at the seasons. Jesus said, how are you, if you're able to tell the seasons by what's to come, that you don't know, like, when I'm coming? You know, like, red skies at night, oh, it's going to be calm tomorrow. Red skies in the morning, uh-oh, we're going to have a storm, right? He says, you're able to be wise enough to do that. You should, be able to do, you should be able to judge the times that we're in. But here, they're like, really like, this is the biggest thing going on. And he says, look, it's not for you to know times and seasons. It's not for you to know these things. Like, the Father knows that, so, so relax. Here's what I want you to know. Church, I think it's a really good thing for us to, we can get caught up in the time, and, and we need to be paying attention, and that's good, but there's something more important. And, it, and it's the gift. So listen when he says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power. You shall receive power. When? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That is a very large territory to cover. Amen? I went to school to learn that. That's a lot of territory. That's a lot of geography. So he says, here's what I need you to know. Don't worry about the times in the season. Don't worry about when I'm going to come. You need to go wait, and I'm commanding you to go wait until you're endued with power to be my witness, to witness of me. Where you're at, in your surrounding area, in the, in, the, in the nation, to the ends of the earth. Now, here's what Jesus knew, and here's what we need to know. We cannot accomplish that without the power of the Holy Spirit. We are foolish to think that we can accomplish much without the power of the Holy Spirit. We are full of a lot of pride to think that we can accomplish this commission without the power of the Holy Spirit. then why do so many Pentecostal people think that this mission could get accomplished without the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How many think Jesus is pretty sharp? He might know a thing or two. Actually, he might know all of it. He might actually know what he was doing by telling him, go, I'm commanding you, go wait for the gift. Then you will go out and be witnesses. Here's what he knew. You will not be able to do that with the power and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna, this is going to be some good teaching for some of you today to realize there's a difference between the Holy Spirit birthing in you and baptism empowerment. They're two different things. And that's going to mess up some people's theology. That's okay. My theology can get messed up all at once as long as it's Jesus doing it. And as long as his word showing me it. You can have a theology and be wrong, or you can have the Holy Spirit and be right. <laughs> this will be popular. Now, we'll get into some of this. How many know you can always look to Jesus as the example? 
These are things I, I taught and I got to see firsthand when I, early in ministry dealing with young people. They heard me say that so often that any question I'd ask, like even if they weren't paying attention, and, and I know that never happens with the adults, but, but it did with the youth sometimes, that they weren't paying attention sometimes. So I'd ask a question, and they'd be like, Jesus? You know, they learn 99.9% .9 of the time. That's the correct answer. Jesus, yep, there's the answer. So we can look to Jesus as the example in this. So if you have your Bibles, we're going we're gonna to be flipping around a lot. So keep your finger in John. We just read Acts. Now go to John. Oh, I see what you're saying. You want me to say keep your finger in Acts. You can. Keep your finger in Acts. You guys are prophetic. I'd rather be prophetic than pathetic. Amen? There's some pathetic prophetic, though. So we don't want that either. <laughs> hey, I give you something to look at. Speaking of pathetic prophetic, um, <laughs> just saying, you know it would be kind of interesting to go back at, at, now that we're at 2022, go back at all the TV prophets Go look at the things they prophesied at the beginning of 2021 and see if they happened in the year. Wait, what, am I saying something wrong? That's wisdom. Go see, go see what they prophesied and see if it happened. If, if you hold me to that standard, if we'll hold people in our church as prophets to that standard, don't you think we ought to hold people we don't know? That was pretty good. Just going to say it. There you go. John chapter 1. And I'm not against prophetic, okay? I just think there's a lot of pathetic prophetic. Like people prophesying like, well, I can see, I believe God's saying that there's going to be an outpouring. Yeah, I mean, I, that's a pretty safe one. You know, when I believe it's the Lord's will this year to save people. Yeah, I can say that's probably, you know, I don't need the gift of prophecy to, to prophesy that. Let's get into some, the Lord's saying something I don't know. Amen? All right, we'll get into that. We'll get into some more of that teaching. I can tell we're not ready for that yet um, as we get into the gifts. But just laying a little bit of foundation there. John chapter 1, verse 32 through 34. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. doesn't say it was a dove, but it's like a dove. And he remained upon him. You see that? He remained upon him, which means that he wasn't on him until that time. Are you with me? He remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So we learn some things here. Who's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit? Jesus. Jesus is the baptizer. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. So John gives testimony. This is, this is what, the, what God told John. The one who is going to come, the Messiah is going to come. You're going to baptize water. 
the, the Spirit of God is going to come descend and rest on him, and he will be the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's, that's Scripture. So I, I didn't make this up. Now, I'm going to confirm it. You don't have to turn there. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. In Acts chapter 10, he says, this is, this is disciples speaking, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. They're speaking of this instance, that God anointed. It's another word, that anointed. There's many words for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's many words that are used, anointed, rested on, filled. There's many, many words for this gift of the Holy Spirit. So here we say it as anointed. And look at what he was anointed with. The Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. This anointing that came upon him gave him the power to heal all who were oppressed by the devil. How many think we need that? Yeah, that, that, would that be worth pursuing? Yes. Would that be worth waiting for? Yes. So I'm going to stop for just a second. Where were the, where were the disciples at when, when the gift came, when the, when the power of the Holy Spirit fell upon them? The upper room. So I'm contemplating, we were, we're going to have an hour of power, we were kind of talking about this next week, and we're going to start our, our prayer services on Tuesdays at 6.30 for one hour. I'm thinking about calling it upper room. I'm just feeling like, a, as I was reading and studying, like, because I'm expecting, like, you guys heard me as I was talking about, I, there's some, I'm expecting God to do something. Maybe we should call that upper room. Because it's different than just coming to a prayer. If you're going to the upper room, you're expect. You know, they were expecting something. They were praying in expectance because they had been promised. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit in power. Amen. So if you see a change in your bulletin, you'll know why. All right. Maybe how many? Maybe I got part of it. Maybe. So we see this example as Jesus being baptized amen did we see that and jesus being the baptizer first thing i want you to see there's an example jesus was baptized by the holy spirit and he is the baptizer amen all right now turn to luke chapter 4 verse 1 and 2 what was he empowered for that's a great question what are the same reason we're empowered Luke 4, 1 and 2 says, Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, Acts says anointed, now it's filled, returned from the Jordan, returned from the Jordan and was led by now, led by the Spirit into the wilderness. How cool is that? He gets baptized with the Holy Spirit and then he gets led. By who? The Spirit of God. And this is going to mess some of us up. Where did the Spirit lead him? To Disneyland! Oh no. The Spirit led him into the wilderness. How many's been to the wilderness? How many are like, you go into the wilderness like you're going to Disneyland? No. How many have been to the wilderness more than once? How many, when you start, he starts leading you to the wilderness, you're like, oh no! Not this again. 
that, hey, when the Holy Spirit leads you into the wilderness, you're going to come out of that sucker strong. You're going to come out of that wilderness, learned some things. You're going to come out of that wilderness empowered. I'm going to show you. He went in, empowered, led, and he came out the same way, empowered. He didn't lose any power. Isn't that encouraging? He didn't lose any power, but he gained a lot of wisdom and knowledge. Amen? He, he was tested in all things. Can you imagine? I, I, as I was studying each one of these, and this isn't in the notes, as I was studying each one of these occurrences, something struck me. And, and sometimes we'll think, because yes, Jesus was God, but Jesus was still 100% man. He was tempted and tested. And, and sometimes I'm foolish enough to think, and I don't think this no more. But I have thought this, just being honest. Yeah, but he wasn't really tempted like I am. Because he's God. Like, people are looking at me crazy. I'm not like God and man. I'm just man. He was the God man. There's only one of them. You know how I, I just felt the Lord kind of show me this temptation was far worse. He was tempted by the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes. The same way we're tempted. You could basically define all of our temptations that way. But can you imagine being tempted in those ways and still you are God and you can, you can literally, on a 40-day fast, starve and hungry, you can and turn that stone into a loaf of bread when no one's looking. I can't do that. That temptation was mind-boggling to me when I realized the implication of he could have, just like he could have, called 10,000 angels down at the cross and been like, I'm done with you fools. Do you know how much restraint has to, do you, do you understand the temptation that would be there when you can? Like, I can't call 10,000 people or angels or supernatural beings down to like, hey, I don't know. To be tempted to perform a miracle for yourself. You know, he never did it. So anyways, that was for free. Just something to think about. For 40 days, he was tempted in the wilderness. By the devil. Most of us don't get tempted by the devil. You're getting his little nymphs, little cronies, or your own flesh. But he's tempted by Satan. In all those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. So that was humanity. That was real. That was a real temptation, real struggle. He was filled with the Holy Spirit when he returned from the Jordan River and was led into the wilderness. Now, look, let's look at Luke 4, 14 and 15. It says, then Jesus returned. Returned from where? From the wilderness. He returned in what? In the power of the Holy Spirit. He returned in the same way he went. How many of you are a little more encouraged about this wilderness experience? He returned in power. He wasn't like, oh, was he hungry? Yeah, that's real, okay? We're going to go on a fast. Your flesh is going to scream. If it doesn't, you're not doing it right. So I'm not going to tell you what to fast. Tracy shared you, a lot of times the church has done a Daniel fast, so... Um, go look that up. I'm not going to tell you, like, it's very quickly, no meats, no sweets, <laughs> like vegetables, lentils, 
Um, but go look up. You can look online. There's many different types. That's between you and God. Jesus fasted food. Moses fasted food, 40 days. Elijah fasted 40 days, no food. We're going to do a 21-day fast. Here's what I would tell you. If you've, you've never fasted, like, no food for more than a day, don't go on a 21-day fast, no food. Unless God tells you, then go for it. He can do that. But I grew in fasting. This was something that I started. I would fast a day. Then I felt, okay, fast three days. And then, okay, I'm going to fast five days. And then I felt the Lord tell me, I want you to fast until I tell you to stop. Oh, okay. That was quite a few days. And then I felt the Lord tell me because there were some things in my life that needed to die. I want you to fast 40 days. Okay. Now here's what I didn't do. I didn't start on 40-day fast. I didn't start on a 21-day fast. And that's the only reason I'm telling you about this. Some of you would be wise to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast. If you fasted before, take a week if you can do that. If not, do a Daniel fast. If not, take dinners off. But whatever you take off, you spend in time of prayer, seeking the Lord. There's some very good benefits, spiritually and physically, to fasting. So we're going to start our year off at the, at the 10th. January 10th, we're going to start fasting. We're going to fast till the end of the month. I'm not telling you how to do it. Some, I would, I've done it a handful of different ways. A, a very good fast, if you've fasted, fast a week, then fast and then start juice for a week. Or maybe for someone else, just do juice for a week. You with me? Some, it may be, you know, I'm going to fast. During those fasts, maybe I've, had, I've heard people say they fasted, which we've done, media, Facebook, all those types of things, and some people just never picked it back up. But I would, say, I would encourage you that don't just do that as a fast. I want us to do a fast that's biblical. That's, there is a biblical, there's something to your flesh being having to die. There's something to you seeing that there's a supernatural power, a power of the Holy Spirit that is greater than your flesh, that you can be empowered to resist the flesh. And that's what I want us to learn, amen? And it, it, it'll be hard. It will require you to say, God, I need help. And I've grown so much on those fasts. There are times I physically learned that this, these aren't just words that you'll receive power. I've been empowered physically by, by praying in tongues during a fast. When I was physically weak. The Lord, and just listen to the Holy Spirit. I'm going, Lord, I'm, I'm struggling. Get up and go for a walk around the business. That's when I was at the jewelry store. Noreen could tell you, the violin player. I walked a couple laps around that jewelry store, around the parking lot, and just prayed in tongues. And I came back, and I'd like drank, I felt like I drank like four cups of coffee. I was like, "Woo! I feel good. Like, that's supernatural. Like, that's the Holy Spirit taking care of you. Those are some things we need to learn. Amen? All right. So Jesus, Luke 4, 14 and 15. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went out through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So this wasn't natural power. Amen? He went out into the wilderness, didn't eat for 40 days, comes back, and people are able to realize, like, this guy's for real. He comes back in power. 
Not physically. This wasn't a natural thing. He didn't go in the, in the wilderness and eat for 40 days and take supplements and work out and take protein power and come back like all rocked, right? He came back spiritually rocked. Came back empowered. Amen? All right. So now I want to look at a, a something. So Jesus was baptized and he was empowered for ministry, for the purpose of ministry. Why should we be baptized? What is the purpose in our baptism? Ministry. Amen? So it's not about for you so much as it is for ministry. It's an empowerment to be witnesses. That's what Acts tells us, that you're empowered to be witnesses. Amen? All right, so salvation and baptism are separate events. Here's some more theological things that get gets people in trouble. They're separate events. How do I know that? How? There's a lot, there's a, probably the largest percentage of people that are in Christendom would say that you're baptized in the Holy Spirit when you get saved. And I'm going to disagree with that. And I'm going to show you biblically why I disagree with that. Okay, is that okay? Turn with me to John chapter 20. Verse 21 and 22. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. Now, this is all. Jesus has been resurrected. Jesus died on the cross. He's resurrected. He's meeting with the disciples. He says, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, what does he do? He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Whew. Receive the Holy Spirit. You know what that reminds me of? We're going to be reading the beginnings. And that is not just a book. It's the first five books of the Bible. In Genesis, what did God do to Adam? Whew. He breathed on Adam. And what did Adam do? Came alive. Church. These men were breathed on, and they got a new life, a born-again life, a life now before they knew Jesus, and Jesus was outside. Now, Jesus is inside through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ is one of the names of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus is not just out there with them. He is in them. That means that nature of Christ is now in them. They have been birthed anew. This is when the disciples were born again. The disciples were not born again until that time. Why? Because Jesus had not died and resurrected. There was no way to give that new life. Are you with me? Now, just some days later, he tells them after they had, he's in them. He says, I want you to wait we read that, Acts. Wait to be empowered. Was Jesus confused? Did Jesus, oh, oh, I forgot. Oh, shoot. I, I breathed on you. You're good. No, he didn't forget. He knew, I'm in you, but go wait till you're baptized. They're not the same event. And this, when Jesus breathed on him, it didn't fulfill the prophecy of John the Baptist that we read earlier. It didn't fulfill that, that he, would, he didn't baptize him with fire there. 
He breathed on him. He didn't, it wasn't fulfilling Jesus' prophecy that out of their bellies rivers of living water would flow from them. Jesus is still saying, you're going to go wait for that. But what did happen? This regenerated life happened for them. And, and, and I'm not diminishing that. I feel like sometimes us Pentecostals can be like, well, yeah, but that was just when the, no, dude, God lives in you now. That's ridiculous. Salvation is amazing. It's amazing. You have a new nature. You don't have to continue in sin. You've been freed from it. The spirit of God now lives in you. But there's more. There's also a baptism and a baptism of fire and of power so that you can witness and evangelize this earth. And he, Jesus, knew they needed it. Otherwise, he would have said, now go. And why didn't he do that? I don't know. I don't even need to know. I just know what he said. Wait for the power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But he lives in me. Yes. But he wants to come upon you in power. And they're not, they don't happen at the same time. They can happen the same day. They can happen right after you get saved. Then you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But they're not one and the same. They are separate experiences. This is what the Bible shows. And this is what's consistently shown through the book of Acts. Which, by the way... So many people call the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Apostles. And I find that wrong. And here's why. Because there's a lot of people's brains and their theology say that the the Acts of the Holy Spirit ended with the Acts of the Apostles. No, I don't call this book the Acts of the Apostles. I call this book the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because there, you know there's something cool about that book of Acts? There's no end. You think that was by mistake? You don't think God knew that there would be all kinds of religious people say all that stuff ended with in the book of Acts. There's only like a handful of problems. Here's one. There's no end to the book of Acts. Show me how many have ever read and you're just like, dude, I'm reading through Acts. It's so awesome. And you're like, but what happened? It doesn't end. No, because we are in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit lives in me and is working through me. And I'm the church, just like this is about the early church. The church is still here. The church is to still be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And you know how I know it wasn't just for the disciples? Because the disciples went and prayed for other people. And guess what happened to them? They got baptized in the Holy Spirit. So that theology is not right. Here, you know, turn to Acts chapter 2, not in my notes, verse uh, 38. It also didn't end there because Peter, so look at this. Peter, running from Jesus, scared, right? Running, they're going to crucify, they crucify, I'll never leave his power. I'll never leave. What's he do? I don't know him. Then he cusses, I don't know him. I don't know him. He gets baptized in the Holy Spirit with power, and he starts saying, yeah, Jesus is the one you crucified. 
And he takes them all the way back through the Old Testament, preaches Joel. This is what that, no, they ain't drunk. They've been empowered. I wish our church would get accused of being drunk in the spirit. People are afraid. People are going to be all, they were, they were thought of because this thing happened. And they were like, what is wrong with them? They were making all kinds of noise. They, they accused them of being drunk. How, when's the last time you got accused of being drunk for being under the influence of the Holy Spirit? I've been accused of being drunk, and it wasn't the Holy Spirit. When's, seriously, when's the last time someone, because of the Holy Spirit on your life and in your life, they were like, what the heck is that? They're, they're weird. That's not a good thing. When this thing happened, and I'm not saying that you got to be weird, hear me. The Holy Spirit does things in order, but he does them in a way that it's in order to him, and people will think they're drunk. It's not our order, church. It's his order. Church, it's not our order, how we want it done, and the church for a long time is it's got to be in order. And everything's got to be in order. Well, whose order? My order? I tell you right now, it ain't going to be in my order. I got to pray every single Sunday. God, I got to take my hands off this. Now, here's where I'll put my hands on when it gets out of order. I'm the shepherd. Things start getting out of order. That's for me to go, hey, what's going on? But I want his order, not mine. Where are we at? Oh, I told you to go to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said to them in this message, repent. Okay, what happened first? Repent. What's that mean? Get saved. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So that's water. He says, repent for your sin. Get baptized in the name of Christ for the remission of your sins. And then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you. What's the promise? Oh, I think we read that in, in John, right? The promise from the Father, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The promise is to you. So this is generational. To you and to your children. And to, I love this word, all. And to all who are, are afar off. So he starts down a generational path and then says, to you, your children, and to all that are far off. So do you think it goes past the apostles? Is that what the Bible says? Okay, if your theology is different than what the Bible says, you have a wrong theology. And that's not so we can just point fingers at people. Guess what? There's many of us that have wrong theologies in some way, shape, or form. I've, since I've been a Christian, had theology. And what's the, what I think about God and then I get into his word and I walk with him and he goes, you know, you're a little off there. And I go, oh, I am? My bad. Anyone else had that experience? If you haven't, you will. That's called maturing. Amen? So this wasn't just for them. Where am I at? Hallelujah. Help me, Lord. He was with them and now he's in them. That's, that's salvation. John chapter 20, but then 40 days after that, he tells the disciples to wait for the outpouring of the Spirit. 
That tells me, convinces me, this is something different. Amen? I got a little bit of time. We might not make it. Praise the Lord. Acts 1, 4, and 5, Jesus tells them they would be baptized soon. They would be empowered like he was. Amen? We read that to start. He says you will be baptized soon and you will be empowered like I was. So in John chapter 20, we see regeneration. The Holy Spirit breathed on them. They're regenerated. Amen? Regenerated. Impartation. Spirit-led life impartation in them. Regeneration. New. Impartation of life by the Spirit. How many know that's a good day? Amen. Acts chapter 2 is a little different. Acts chapter 2, there's an impartation of power, and you've been fitted for service. Does that, does that register? Imparted with power, you've been fitted for service. Here's what Jesus didn't want. I don't want you trying to go out and take over this world if you haven't been fitted for service. How many know he's a good father? You're not going to send your kids out to fight a fire with a squirt gun, with no training. But here's what he knows. Oh, if I baptize you with the Holy Spirit, it's game on. Go. Because then all of these gifts, this anointing, this empowerment is going to come with you. There's going to be a prophetic released inside of you that at any moment... You can leave your notes and leave what you were planning and doing, and the Holy Spirit will fill your mouth, and it will be empowered. And there will be an anointing on those words, and there will be breakthrough. Are you with me? That's what he knows. And that is the difference between what some people would say. I was in a dead church, and there's there's a life here. Or I've been in a church where there was life. There was power Well, let me tell you, it's not the pastor, it's not the person, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's no life. Sure, there's going to be life, but there won't be power. We're spirit, let's put it that way, pneuma. With power. I want all of it. How many, how many, I could tell you when I got saved the last time. That'll mess, there's some more theology problems. <laughs> I wasn't sure about everything, but here's what I was sure of. I, I came to a point, I said, God, I want everything you have. I want everything you have for me. Because I was so jacked up. Like, God, I need, I want, and I know I need anything and everything that you have for me. I want it. Now, if it's not of you, I don't want a piece of it. Now, that's how I went. I, w- I walked into, like, I seen some things I wasn't like, I don't want that. I didn't want to be fake. I didn't want false things, but I wanted every single thing that God had for me that was real. And that's how we should be. We should be hungering for the things of God. We should be hungering 
that God, if, it's, if you have something for me, I want it. Amen? Like kids at Christmas. It's so cool. It's, it's so kind of sad, too. My kids are getting older. Some of you, your kids are older. Some of you, you're younger. You're going to know. Like when they're little, there's still this like, there's excitement for like, the day after Christmas, they're like, how many more days till Christmas? Right? They start getting older and it's kind of the, it kind of starts wearing off. We should be like kids at Christmas for the gifts. God, I want everything you have for me. I want all of it. It should burn in you that way. You should never be satisfied. So I want to, I want to mess with your head a little bit. This mess with my head, which isn't hard to do. Think about it this way. What I just, I said, conversion, John 20, baptism, Acts 2. Now listen, for 30 years, Jesus was born of the Spirit from Mary's womb. Is that true? What birthed Jesus? Was it, was it Joseph? No. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary. That's what the Bible says. Jesus was birthed by what? The Spirit. Okay. For 30 years, Jesus was born of the Spirit from Mary's womb. But then at the Jordan, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Is that true? 30 years, Jesus was born of the Spirit. But then at the Jordan, he was baptized with the Spirit. That was a separate event. That's the example, church. That's the example. The disciples were breathed on. Born of the Spirit. Go wait for the baptism. When did Jesus start his ministry? Follow me now. What are we, what are we talking about? When did he start his ministry? After what experience? The baptism. The baptism. Jesus didn't start ministry until when? He had been empowered, endued with power, until he was empowered. You say, but he was God. He was still man. 100% God. His humanity had to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Was he born of the Spirit? Did he get baptized in the Spirit? Did the disciples get born of the Spirit? Did Jesus say, go and wait and tarry till I do you with power and you're baptized by the Spirit? For what purpose? So that you can do ministry. Just like Jesus did. Did Jesus say, these signs and wonders shall follow those who believe? Did he say, like all those things, even greater works than you saw me do, you will do. How are we going to do those works if we haven't been empowered? If we haven't received the gift? He received an anointing from on high that launched him and maintained him in his ministry. That's what happened. He received an anointing. He received an empowering from on high. It came from heaven upon him, and it launched him into ministry, and it maintained him through his ministry. Here's what I know. If you receive that gift, 
that power will launch you and maintain you for ministry. And at any point, you are weak or tired or I don't feel it anymore. I'm more. You need to stir up the gift that's within you is what Paul said. Fan into flames that spirit of God. Build up yourself in your most holy faith. And how do we do that? Glossia. You pray in tongues for yourself personally. You spend time and you empower yourself. It's an empowering. It's you praying in a heavenly language to God and he empowers you. And it stirs you up. And things happen. And you hunger and thirst after him. And he will fill you. His human nature, his human nature needed to be empowered by the Spirit before he could even go and be successful, successful in his ministry in the world. How the heck are we think we're going to be successful? How foolish! Is this true? What was the model? Are we to be like Christ? What did he do? What should we do? I have heard some people, well, I don't need that. I'm not letting that go anymore. I don't need that. Then you're disagreeing with what Jesus said. He says you need it. Well, I guess you don't need it if you just want to sit on a pew. What do you need empowerment for? Sit in your easy chair. Sing Kumbaya. Count down the days till he comes and picks you up and forget everyone else. Oops. Did I say something? <laughs> but unless you believe that he called you for a purpose greater than sitting in that easy chair to be witnesses unto the ends of the earth, then you're going to need empowerment. Amen? From on high. A supernatural empowerment. Not push-ups and weights and butterflies and eating right, which is all good, fine, good things. But I'll tell you what, I'd rather be supernaturally powerful than naturally powerful. Listen to this. If, you, if you're not buying into what I'm selling, after he was endued with power, he said this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach. Did he not say that? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. It wasn't his natural strength. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Church, that is our responsibility in this earth. It was prophesied. That was prophesied in Isaiah 61. Jesus literally went into the, to the temple, picked up the scroll, and read that. And then he said, today it has been fulfilled before your very eyes. 
I'm going to give you a couple quotes. Now, I like this one in particular because it's from a Baptist pastor, F.B. Meyer. He was friends of of, uh, Dwight Moody. So F.B. Meyer said this. He was a pastor and evangelist, well-known and powerful man of God. He's friends with D.L. Moody. He said, never forget our Lord's ministry was not in the power of the second person of the blessed Trinity, but in the power of the third person. Think about that. The second person of the Trinity didn't, didn't walk out his ministry in his own power. Is that Bible? He walked out that ministry empowered from the third person of the Trinity. How do we not need him? This was a Baptist pastor. You can't even get Pentecostal pastors to say that. Today, A.B. Simpson, founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance. How many have heard of A.W. Tozer? A.W. Tozer came out of Christian Missionary Alliance. But the founder of that, A.B. Simpson, said this. First, he was born of the Spirit. Then he was baptized by the Spirit. Then he went forth to work out his life and ministry in the power of the Spirit. I gotta say that again. First, he was born of the Spirit. Then he was baptized by the Spirit. And then he went forth to work out his life and ministry in the power of the Spirit. Amen? Amen? He goes on to say, But he that sanctifies and they that are sanctified are all of one. Ooh. So in like manner, we must follow in his footsteps and receive his life, born like him, of the Spirit. We too must be baptized of the Spirit and then go forth to live his life and reproduce his works. Oh, come on. That's a good day. Baptized in the Spirit to do what? Live out his life. And do those works. Does that sound a little different than what we're doing? Maybe we're not doing it the way he told us. What's the other option? Is this true? So I want to encourage you, this coming year, I don't think it's by any mistake that this is where we're starting. I felt, like the, I felt like the Lord got to share with me a little bit, probably been about a month ago, that this year, and this year, we can start building. And you're saying, well, man, there's been stuff going on. I'm not talking about the physical building. I'm not talking about getting new bathrooms and painting the church and getting all, I'm talking about building the church. You say, well, just hear me. There's a great foundation we start building some things. That means you and me building, building, building. This is what we're going to build on. This is what we're going to build on. Church, this, I'm not going to build on anything else. You know I love the word. 
There's more. And they're not, they're not, they are one. The Word. Who's the Word? Last time I checked, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Oops, they're one. So, we're going to build on the Word. We're going to build in the power of the Holy Spirit. And thank God, we had, I think in our numbers, I think we had 13. I don't want to oversay. I don't want to be evangelical. <laughs> Some of you know what that means. Like, what I'm saying is, like, sometimes, how many people got saved? Like, an evangelist, oh, there was 150 people. I don't even know there's 150 people there, but okay. <laughs> Some of you got it. I think I can say very honestly, 13 people this last year got baptized in the Holy Spirit here at New Life with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Baptized and empowered. 13 people. That makes this pastor super excited and happy. I believe there, he wants to do a lot more. And you know what? That could be today. You know what? There's no pressure on me to baptize you. I love that. I'm not the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is. There's no pressure for me. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to encourage you actually to pray for yourself and say, Lord, Jesus, I believe that you want me to be empowered. I want everything that you have for me. Will you baptize me? And I'm going to pray with you and agree. You have to receive the gift. The same way you have to receive salvation, church. It's by faith. You have to take a step of faith and say, I put my faith and trust in you. And the same way you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have to take a step of faith. If you're going to sit in your seat and say, well, if you want to be baptized, I'll sit here and you'll do it. You're going to be sitting there a long time. Can he? <laughs> yeah, he's God. He could, like, he could come in here and just smack all of us down if he wants to. I'm all for that. But he's also a gentleman. He doesn't force himself on nobody if you don't want him. But here's what I know. If we are all in one accord and all at the same time, God, we want you. Oh, now the chemicals and the, the stuff is right for him to just come and knock the snot out of us. But the temperature, you know what I'm saying? Like, all of those things, everyone was in one accord, hungering and thirsting. Oh, then everyone can be. Yes, I'm for that. I'm, I'm for whatever he wants to do. And you know what else I'm, I love? If he doesn't do anything crazy. As long as he's leading it. If this... Is all that happens, as long as he's the one conducting this, oh, what else do I want? I'm not going to go try to perform something for him. I'm not going to go jumping down off my chair and say, I got the spirit. No. Here's what I know. If the Holy Spirit shows up, you know it. Amen? I think I'll stop there. Um, if I had another half hour.